wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, please welcome at this time your hosts, Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau. You're listening to the next era of wrestling radio. This is Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleMania Radio for Saturday, January 27, 2024, Royal Rumble Saturday. I'm playing Peace and Athens. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great weekend so far. And what a week it's been. I mean, of all weeks to not do the normal show with Mr. Marceau, what a week um, to kind of miss as far as the regular wrestling news. I will address some of it here before we get to the Royal Rumble predictions. It will be a shortened show. Mr. Marceau could not make the show this week due to scheduling conflicts. I am currently in Tampa for Royal Rumble weekend. Uh, Royal Rumble on Saturday. I'm recording this on Friday night, going up on Saturday morning ahead of the pay-per-view, a lot like with SummerSlam when we went to Detroit for that with Mr. Marceau um, back in August. But Mr. Marceau is not joining me for this trip. He can't join me on the show here today. He will be back next week to help me join uh, join me, to help me break down the pay-per-view as he always does. Um, but a lot going on in the world of WWE. I just expected to be on here if I could record the show as I originally intended to on Thursday. Be on the show here talking about the Royal Rumble preview the four matches um, that are currently scheduled for the show. But instead, WWE and all these other things going on had to just drop a fucking bombshell. Just an absolute dump of news throughout the week. Good, bad, and extremely ugly with all facets largely pertaining to WWE. Um, So we'll save the Royal Rumble stuff for last. I'll address the other stuff first. And I say quickly not to do it any injustice, but we'll get into probably more details about each news item or at least... Some of the things I'm about to address next week with Mr. Marceau to get his take, get his analysis, go deeper in the details of what's going on. I am just completely shot as far as my voice is concerned, so I really can't speak longer than I currently am for the show. Um, But among the things that did drop this week, the Vince McMahon thing, I'll save for the right before the Rumble predictions because I'm kind of going in chronological order here. Um, At the beginning of the week on Raw, which I did watch live on Monday night coming back from Disney World, Um, that was supposed to be, I thought, the big news coming into this podcast was not only the Rumble match itself, the Rumble pay-per-view itself, but the status of Seth Rollins, the current World Heavyweight Champion. Would he or would he not make WrestleMania? We found that on Monday night. We still don't know. We still don't know if he will be in action at WrestleMania. Uh, My current belief is, yes, he will be. Mr. Marceau and I kind of broke down the entire majority of the show last week what WrestleMania would look like without the current World Heavyweight Champion? What would they do with the World Heavyweight Championship? Would they put it on the line in the Elimination Chamber match? Would they put it on the line in the Royal Rumble match? They're definitely not doing the latter, and they're probably not doing the former either, I would assume, uh, for the simple solution of they hope that Seth Rollins can make the show. It came out right after we recorded last week that he was believed to have, and he said this in his promo on Monday, um, I think it came from Fightful, he was believed to have torn, and he confirmed this, a partially torn meniscus 
and or maybe a partially torn MCL and a partially torn meniscus, whatever it might have been. It was not serious enough to completely rule him out of WrestleMania. Um, this was not an ACL injury. There's been a lot of ACL injuries going around right now in WWE, specifically with the women in NXT for whatever reason. And even Charlotte on the main roster a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was not the case with Rollins. So the timeline for something like this could be right around WrestleMania. It feels like we're in a repeat of 2017 when he got hurt right in late January, right out of the Royal Rumble, which he was not actually on that pay-per-view, interestingly enough. He got injured in an angle at the debuting Samoa Joe on the Raw after the Royal Rumble. They kind of incorporated that into the storyline, and then he faced Triple H anyway at WrestleMania in that unsanctioned match. So he ended up getting cleared for that mania. Um, and that was a big match, but it wasn't the match at Mania. It wasn't the main event. This could be the night one main event, which I hope will be him and CM Punk for the World Heavyweight Championship. I'll get to my Royal Rumble predictions later, but that article and report that came out from Sports Illustrated, they offered later a, a, a retraction for the report and kind of the quote-unquote spoilers for what were the internal plans for WrestleMania. I don't believe it. They had indicated that we're going to be getting Cody and Punk and... Gunther and Rollins, which I don't want to sit here and complain too much about because those sound like two terrific matches. You would think it was like fucking WrestleMania 27, WrestleMania 29 all over again based on the negative feedback this received online. Probably because people know that the obvious match to do at Mania is Punk and Rollins, as well as hopefully Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. We still don't know Rock's um, involvement with WrestleMania. I had seen earlier today, again, a lot of news dropping this week. But Wrestling Observer Radio Newsletter, rather, had reported on Thursday, Rock is quote-unquote headstrong about appearing, and not only appearing, but competing at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. And if he does, it would be at WrestleMania this year. Now, Rock kind of made the implication while he was making the news rounds on Tuesday discussing becoming a new, you know, one of the new head officials in WWE. What his exact title is, I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me. But he was, that was one of the, among the many news items this week. Was that, was that he was one of the you know higher-ranking uh, officials, appointed one of the higher-ranking officials in WWE. So would he go on to WrestleMania this year, coming off that news and fighting the undisputed WWE Universal Champion and probably losing if the championship isn't on the line? Um, I wouldn't think so. I mean, he very well could. A lot of people think that it could happen, and it will happen. I think it definitely could happen. I don't think it will. I think that report from Sports Illustrated was just a red herring. I still do think we're getting Punk and Rollins. You can wait on it for another time, but who's to say Punk is still around by SummerSlam or Mania next year? Coming off that AEW run from 2023, we just have no fucking clue. I would not bank on saving those matches for down the road when right now it makes the most sense to do at WrestleMania. Between Punk and Rollins, that is the Mania match. Punk and Cody had a great segment on Monday's Raw, but you can always save that for down the road, maybe SummerSlam, Mania next year, when you establish more of an issue between the two. But I did think they had a great segment on Raw this week. So, that was one of the things going into uh, Tuesday, was that, oh, Rock appointed this new official in the company, coming off the Rollins news on Monday, that he will make WrestleMania, hopefully, not set in stone, we'll talk more about the WrestleMania lineup as far as what I think it looks like, coming out of the Royal Rumble on Saturday, um, but that was one of the things that dropped on Tuesday, literally within the hour, WWE also announcing that they are headed to Netflix with Raw in January of 2025. So in one year from right now, Raw will be airing on Netflix. Now, we discussed this possibility in the past when SmackDown was announced for USA, coming up in October of 2024, uh, 2024 rather. That was announced a couple of months ago. They were leaving Fox to go back to USA, which is where they were prior to Fox in 2019. They were on USA for a few years there. Um, and at one point live as well, SmackDown Live was on the 
um, USA Network live from 2016 through 2019 before going to Fox. And now they're headed back to USA. So NXT is going to the CW in later on in 2024. Raw is now officially headed to Netflix. So they pretty much have all of their bases covered between network, television, cable, and now streaming as well. So being on Netflix, I mean, I honestly can't really tell as of this exact moment, and they only announced the news a couple days ago, whether it's a positive or a negative. For the company, it's a huge positive. They're making $5 billion fucking dollars over the course of 10 years. That's a very long deal. And I'm not sure if it has an out clause either where if it doesn't perform as well as they thought, they can cut it. I don't know. Netflix is not going anywhere anytime soon. For as much as they raise the prices and stuff like that, people are not tuning out in droves of Netflix. And it's still, I believe, the highest rated, highest subscribed service out there as far as these streaming services are concerned by a pretty wide margin. So the Netflix news was interesting. Um, Certainly surprising. I would think it would remain on a you know, network or something on TV, which is where it's been for the past 30 plus years. But anyone saying like, oh, it's going to be so much better without the commercials. Yeah, you don't get commercials if you have the ad-free version of Raw. But what it's basically going to turn into is what it's always been. Whenever they do these commercial-free editions of Raw, it's nice. It's a refreshing change of pace. But what you don't realize is, is that a lot of these matches are longer due to the commercial breaks because there's really nothing going on in the commercial break. Whether it's a picture-in-picture break or a fucking straight-up commercial, you're not really getting anything of note during that commercial. They're doing that on purpose. And they're still doing the commercials for the people who have the, you know, the the paid version, the paid tier of Netflix. And they do the same thing with Peacock and the pay-per-views. If you have the ad-free version of the WWE, uh, of Peacock rather, with the WWE Network and whatever, you get the commercials after each match. If you have the, or that's the ad version, excuse me. The ad-free version, you get these WWE generic video packages for like three minutes on Bianca Belair, Bobby Lashley, or whoever. And nothing of note, you're never really missing anything if you're paying for the ad tier of Peacock, or now Netflix, when it comes to WWE. The live streaming aspect, I don't really know how that works specifically. Um, I have never streamed anything live on Netflix. I don't know if they have that capability right now. I would assume they do if they made this deal. Maybe they do air stuff on there. I know, obviously, Peacock is there live sports games. Amazon's done that as well and has been doing that. That seems to be the way the future, not only also airing the stuff on there, but making it exclusive to these services. So I would assume it's had, if it's headed to Netflix, it would probably become, uh, you know, via available video on demand immediately thereafter, either after it's done airing or the next day. Because the thing with Peacock is that when they air on USA with Raw and even SmackDown as well, it becomes available on Peacock 30 days later. That's just due to the streaming rights fees that they have with these various networks. If they're already on a streaming service and airing on a streaming service, I would just be very surprised um, if, I, I, I don't know, I would just be very surprised if they all of a sudden with these, uh, you know, the ad versions and the ad free versions, it would drastically change the show. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think we're at a stage now where they're focusing more on the streaming side of things. And I don't know, it's a very interesting outcome to this whole question of where will Raw end up? Because it's been on network cable or whatever it is for the last 30 years and uh, 30 plus years and now it's headed to Netflix. So I don't really think it drastically changes the show. I've seen a lot of people say maybe this makes the show two hours again. Um, I don't think it will. I think it remains as is. But, you know, that ad money for WWE was so important for such a long time. But now they're making their money up front. They have a guaranteed $5 billion in the next 10 years. 
So they don't have to, they don't really care about being on this network or that network if they're making that much amount of money. I forgot how much of an increase that is over the USA deal, but it sounds like an astronomical amount compared to what they were getting before from USA and all these other networks for all these other shows. Even more than the Fox deal, which was pretty lucrative. So say what you will about WWE, but even right now, the company on the show, the TV aspect of it, is hot. Business is hot for WWE, aside from a few scandals here and there, which we'll get into momentarily. But um, it's not overly surprising they would be offered this amount of money in general. But by Netflix, it's an interesting choice. So we'll see how that kind of shakes out over the next year. It was said, I think, yesterday, I forgot by who, that USA would not be airing Raw from October to January. Their deal with USA ends in October. And then it also came out they have a plan for what will happen with Raw in that meantime. I don't know why USA wouldn't just extend the deal through January. I mean, they're already airing SmackDown, so it's not like they're on bad terms. I don't know why they wouldn't just do that. Um, Netflix isn't getting raw early, so I doubt they go to fucking YouTube. It's it's a very different world than what it was 10 years ago when people asked, oh, raw ever air on the network on a consistent basis or SmackDown. They would never take themselves off of these popular you know networks where they're getting ad revenue and and ratings, which are kind of obsolete at this point, but not in the sense where like their ad revenue is pretty much is a lot of these things and these streaming deals and ending up on uh, you know these television network ad money and, and stuff like that revenue. Um, it's very important to them. So making this money from Netflix is uh you know it's it, it's huge for the company. It's a big sign that they're headed in the right direction as far as that sort of stuff goes. And it's just very different than the WWE Network, which a niche audience is going to download and have with Netflix. A lot of people that you probably talk to have Netflix or have used Netflix or whatever. And there's a lot bigger chance that people will check out the content there than going out of their way to find it on a WWE Network type service. For as much as I love the WWE Network, going with something like a Peacock, which it's an, a far inferior service as far as finding matches and shit, it's fucking awful. But when it comes to stuff like that, um, Netflix, same thing. It's going to be a much bigger platform for this stuff to, to have. So if I recommend a show, a current show, old show to someone that is a lapsed fan or an old fan or a new fan, it's a lot easier just to watch Netflix because they might already have it anyway as opposed to downloading or buying or signing up for the WWE Network. How much their audience will grow, I do question. I saw a lot of people bringing that up over the past week. Oh, their audience is going to grow drastically. They're going to get so many new fans. I mean, that hasn't exactly worked out for Peacock, I don't think. I think it's helped that they're on Peacock compared to the network. Um, I don't think it's grown their fan base exponentially because they're on there. Netflix is far bigger than Peacock, obviously. But I'm not sure how many new fans they'll make just from WWE being on Peacock. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on, on or I'm sorry, on Netflix. There's a lot of stuff on Netflix people are not watching. WWE just might be one of those things. If they weren't watching WWE before on, on network television, which, I mean, some people don't have nowadays. I understand that. There's a pretty good chance they're probably not going to watch it on Netflix, but... Um, we'll see for right now, obviously the pay-per-views are remaining on Peacock, which is interesting until that deal wraps up in 2025 or 2026, which sucks because if they go to Netflix or back to pay-per-view, even it could be upwards of like $80, like the UFC, UFC pay-per-views have been for the last couple of years under Endeavor. So again, that's kind of concerning, but we'll kind of have to address that when we get to it. Um, another news item that dropped before the Vince stuff in a moment, uh, Okada from New Japan. We talked about him. I think either last week or the week before, I don't know if we talked about him last week, but we did talk about him at one point with his contact, uh, contract situation, where he might end up. A couple of reports and updates on him in the last few days. I'm, I'm glad I kind of waited to discuss this because this broke on Tuesday, that it was believed that he was WWE bound, 
and headed to NXT first. Meltzer, among other people, came out and said, that's not the case. It's a lot more likely he ends up in AEW. We really don't know. I don't expect to see him on Saturday at the Rumble, just as a heads up. Um, I don't think... I don't know. It's an interesting situation because of the two, I'd rather see him in WWE because I feel like it's a more interesting fit. We've seen him in AEW before. A lot of their top talent he's already worked with. It's not exactly fresh. Any excuse to see Okada on a consistent basis is a plus. But that also being said, I don't want him overexposed because currently in New Japan, we don't see him all that often. He's more of a spectacle. Now, you're not going to see him once every couple of months. He's not getting a fucking Brock Lesnar-esque schedule. Um, he has to be established first in WWE. He would make... I mean, Tony Khan would, would fucking, I don't know. With, with the amount of money he would offer him just to get him on the roster, it would be wild. So, I think there's a pretty good chance. I think it's pretty likely he ends up in AEW. That's where he's appeared before. I mean, he doesn't have to move from Japan if that's the case. They can just bring him in. I think he's a big signing. I think anyone would be foolish to not have interest in Okada. And TNA, I know we just did a TNA appearance, a TNA taping a couple of weeks ago. No, I don't think he goes to TNA. Um, WWE or AEW would have to be where it's at. They can offer him the amount of money that would be worth him leaving New Japan for. And I think it's probably going to be AEW. I mean, he already had that little bit of a tryout a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago on Dynamite. And the rumor backstage was that he was doing that match to kind of uh, test the waters for how it would be if he came over to AEW full-time. With WWE, he's not working in New Japan. That, that relationship is over. In AEW, he can still work matches in New Japan. In WWE, he would really have to start from scratch, a lot like AJ Styles did back in 2016. It worked out for AJ. Okada is a equally big star as, as AJ Styles was back in 2016. You know, the English thing might become an issue, uh, you know, maybe giving him a mouthpiece, but I still think he's a tremendous enough talent where he can overcome that obstacle, whether it's just by keeping his promos limited or having him learn more English or better English, whatever it might be. Um making him not appear every single week, which I kind of fear might happen in AEW. I mean, Edge at this point is an attraction, but he's wrestling almost every single fucking week. How much of an attraction is this guy actually? You know what I mean? So maybe WWE wasn't wrong to have him only wrestle a handful of matches a year. With Okada, it, it would have to be one of those things where he's not wrestling on, on Raw or SmackDown or whatever it might be for an extended period of time every single week. I mean, I did see, again, the part of the report where it said he would go to NXT first. That was like the rumor. I mean, I find that very hard to believe. I know Nakamura went there first in 2016, and it worked out well for him. He was only in NXT for a year, killed it, came up to the main roster, and did well. Um, Okada, I mean, the guy's not getting any younger. He is around the same age Nakamura was when he left the WWE back in 2016. I get that. But it's just a different brand. I mean, unless it was Okada and, like, fucking Ilya Dragunov or some shit for a one-off over Mania Weekend, then fuck yeah. But if not, then no thanks. So, I don't know. Um, I'd rather see him in the main roster. I still think, I kind of am still worried that he wouldn't be utilized to his full potential in WWE. But at the same time, I have that same concern for AEW as well. AEW is a big enough promotion where there's been a lot of people they've signed in the last couple of years that really just kind of twiddle their thumbs, have nothing to do. They're just directionless. And I kind of fear the same might happen to Okan if he were to go to W, or rather AEW. WWE as well. But let's not pretend that if he were to go to AEW, it would be just the perfect choice and there's really no fault in going there and that sort of thing um I do think with that decision he would really have to weigh out the options I think the biggest thing is I know his wife is very famous apparently in Japan I don't know if she's a model or something like that I'm not sure but if he were to go to AEW he doesn't have to relocate so again I think that's a pretty big factor to consider here there's which is why when I first read and, and heard last Thursday after we were done recording 
um, that he's leaving New Japan, I immediately thought that he was going to AEW. I would be very honestly surprised if he ended up in WWE, even in spite of that report from Tuesday. And again, later reports later indicated that he was probably headed to AEW, but that initial report came from somewhere on Tuesday. I mean, I know where the, the Twitter account that uh, originated it, and they're apparently a pretty good, you know, Japanese wrestling source of, uh, of news. Uh, but it came from somewhere, so he's obviously considering it, which is good, so he's not automatically assuming, oh, I'm going to AEW. But I, I think WWE would present more intriguing options, but I can't complain about getting him on TV in general here in the States on a more regular basis than, than he was in New Japan. One last thing before we head into the Royal Rumble predictions from uh, for today. I'm getting my days mixed up here. The Vince story itself, I mean, without going into the great details about it, just fucking disgusting. Every aspect of it, every sense of the word, just disgusting, horrific, abhorrent behavior um, in the... I think it was Wall Street Journal that broke the story. They were the ones that kind of talked about how a former WWE employee... I mean, you can look up all the information of the name of the employee, what the situation was, and what's going on. Um, just by Googling it, but just by typing Vince fucking... Mc or not, maybe not fucking, but Vince McMahon on social media, on any news, Google, you know, website, whatever. Kind of find out the full details of the situation. But basically, he's being sued as part of the, you know, extension of what was the news that was broken in 2020 of the hush money and the NDAs. And, you know, some people rightfully, and a lot of people rightfully recognize that's just fucking weird, um, immoral behavior. And people also ask, well, there's nothing really illegal about it, so he's okay. And maybe at that time, they technically weren't wrong. We didn't know of any illegal behavior that he was doing. But it's coming out now that this former employee is now suing WWE, Vince McMahon, and John Laurinaitis, I believe, of sex trafficking, among other horrific accusations. And again, all of this stuff is in the court document. It, the lawsuit was filed on Tuesday. So you can see all of it in the document. It's very long, and again, it features a lot of disgusting details um, that are probably best left out. Brock Lesnar was also included in this whole thing as well. Um, there might have been other people involved in this situation. I'm sure there were unnamed talent, employees, superstars. Brock Lesnar was not named by name, but it's pretty apparent in the lawsuit of who it's in reference to. And uh, if any of the things that were being said, I know Vince, his spokesperson, had come out and they had denied everything about the situation. Um, if anything is remotely true about what Vince did, Laurinaitis did, these other people involved did, Brock did, they're done. And if they're not, they should be. I mean, that's really the bottom line here. I'm not really sure what more I can say about this than this. Uh, and hopefully it gets addressed in the presumable press conference that we're getting after the Royal Rumble that they will be in attendance for. Uh, someone will ask about it, I'm sure, and that should be the talk of the town. If Triple H is up there, if it's like just Bailey or something, then obviously not. But if it's Triple H or a higher-ranking official, then hopefully they do address it, because if not, it's a really bad look for the company. A really, really bad look, because this shit is really, really bad. Already I'm seeing, and there's probably more to come out before this airs on early Saturday, that Slim Jim pulled out of advertising for the Royal Rumble. And that's one of their biggest sponsors in WWE, is fucking Slim Jim. It's all over the branding. It was their biggest sponsorship deal in wrestling history was the Slim Jim one that they signed back in the summer of 2023. And apparently it's also come out there was another sponsor considering doing work with, uh, business with WWE that has also since pulled out due to the Vince stuff that came out on you know earlier this week. It's bad. I mean, not only does this guy deserve to be locked up, but at the very least, he needs to be let go. WWE needs to wash their hands of Vince McMahon. John Laurinaitis is already gone. It doesn't mean these people should not spend 
a, a decent while, if not the rest, I mean, Vince is already 77, whatever the fuck he is, 78, the rest of their lives behind bars. I mean, it's just disgusting behavior. Um, Brock, any idea or any, uh, you know, shred of an idea of him coming back in the Royal Rumble on Saturday should be over. I mean, to bring him back at this point would just being tone deaf. Uh, not that WWE hasn't been tone deaf in the past, but it would be pretty dumb to bring him on in now, have him return to the match, which it was seemingly pretty likely. We just saw the reports recently that, you know, they were in the process of bringing him back uh, to WWE TV soon for a match of Mania. It seemed to be like a uh, guarantee to me, and no longer, and nor should it be. So his future's in question, as it should be. But Vince especially, I mean, the man, not that he has no value and hasn't done anything for the wrestling business, because obviously his impact on, on wrestling itself, not just WWE, can never be erased. But at this current point in time in 2023, or I'm sorry, 2024 actually, as we speak right now, he has no value to the company, and as this has been the case as of a year ago, he has been much more of a detriment to them than a help. I mean, I know he facilitated the sale of WWE, and that went through an endeavor of the new owners. That's great. I know they put out a statement about the whole thing, kind of saying they'll investigate it. Didn't they not already do an investigation about this a few years ago, back in 2022? That was how this whole thing fucking started. We never really found out the results of the Vince McMahon investigation. Either they didn't do enough research and didn't do their job properly, or they did find out about all this stuff and didn't really do much about it. Vince was never really a 1,000% out of the picture. He still owned a lot of stock, had a lot of power, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he worked his way back in. No one on the board wanted him back, but Vince forced, him, forced himself back onto the board. And that's not the only thing he's forced himself onto of these legal documents are to be believed. Again, all right now, it's just, not just speculation, but it's all accusations. But again, you look at the evidence, what's being described here, it's a lot of shit. A lot of it is in great, unfortunate detail. And the texts are kind of, I would think, I don't work in law, but I would think are pretty easily, can be easily disputed if they weren't real. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty, that's a pretty easy thing to verify um, if the text are real, if the number is real, she had her saved as, uh, she had him saved as Vince in her phone, so if you can trace the texts, and she, she kept them, and she has Vince's contact in her phone, that is, or was Vince's phone at that time, and this goes back years, at least four or five years, then, I mean, the guy is, has a lot of, there's a lot of issues here, and the only reason why this came out now, I mean, you can argue or wonder, oh, you know, it's a big pay-per-view, why now? I mean, they probably, I'm not exactly sure, they probably timed it around the Royal Rumble. I honestly would not be surprised. This is not new, inf I mean, it's new information to us as far as the exact details of what happened. But it's not like this just happened the other week. This has been going on for years. And uh, apparently, I mean, it's only coming out now. She did sign an NDA, but Vince did not fulfill his financial obligations, even though he was already back in WWE at that point, which is disgusting, even worse. Uh, maybe thinking nothing would really come of it. But now she's speaking out because he didn't make his last payment, so she can legally speak out. And now we're finding out. So again, that was a year ago. I think he had failed to make his last payment as of February of 2023. So why would they wait this long? I don't know. Again, I didn't read the entire thing. I'm not sure. But the bottom line is that it is out. And the only, I mean, the biggest solution that they can make is to get rid of the fucking guy. Endeavor's, again, statement about investigating and all this other shit great. I mean, do a better fucking investigation than their own internal team did back in 2022, because clearly they didn't do enough research, or if they did, they're also guilty of just withholding this information. Um, 
The guy offers nothing. He's not in charge of WWE anymore. He's apparently not running creative or has no influence as far as that sort of stuff behind the scenes. What fucking use do you have in having him, you know, uh, still attached to the company in any capacity? It's only hurting WWE in the end. The guy's got to go away for fucking good. Whether that be to jail or at least out of WWE. The guy's got to go away for a very long time, if not ever. I mean, at this point, the shit that's being thrown his way as far as the allegations are concerned, it's pretty fucking bad. So, hopefully there is more details on this and justice is served to kind of offer a cliche here on the situation. Um, But every aspect of it is awful. Again, if you want to go through, read the lawsuit, read the details, the text, it gets pretty in-depth and disgusting. But, um, I don't know, unless there's some sort of loophole here where he can't be cut from his own company for whatever reason and he made himself like an ironclad contract, I don't know, I'm not exactly sure how any of this works, then there's no reason to not get, excuse me, there's no reason to not get rid of this guy. Just a fucking massive detriment to this company. Um, he has been for a while. He continues to be. And especially heading into one of their most important periods of the year, heading into WrestleMania season, to have him associated with the company in any capacity whatsoever won't do them no good whatsoever. I mean, it, it's also just a slap in the face and concerning for anyone else that works with that company that might be a female, obviously, to keep this guy around in light of this shit if it is true. And again, it's leaning towards probably, uh, but we don't know that as a complete fact. We have to find out as it goes along here, and there's more investigating being done. Um, I don't care how much money he has and how much he tries to wipe this under the rug. That shit just can't be uh, possibly justified in any manner. So hopefully we get more of a a, a clear picture of this in the days to come. This might be outdated by the time this goes up on Saturday. Maybe they've already officially cut ties. They washed their hands of him and they can move on. I don't think it ends there for WWE. They still have a lot of questions to ask as far as what other talent might be involved, other officials that may have known that did nothing. We do not know. But as of right now, it's looking pretty bad, and it's only going to get worse until they do something about it. So on that happy note, I suppose, we have the Royal Rumble predictions coming up on Saturday. We only have four matches scheduled, so this won't take very long. Um, I I figured they were probably going to do a World Heavyweight Championship defense. I know Rollins beat Jinder to retain the World Heavyweight Championship on Raw last Monday, not this past week, but the week before that. Uh, Maybe they weren't going to do a match at the Rumble. I don't know. But to only have a four-match card, it wouldn't be the first time. I think they did it in 2011 as well with, um, I believe, I mean, they had a 40-man Rumble, so it was a little different. This year, we have two Rumbles compared to the 2011 show, so it kind of makes more sense. But we had a WWE title match the Royal Rumble, a world title match, and a women's title match. I think that was all that we got on that show, and it was a pretty quick three-hour show. Last year's Rumble went a very fucking long time. I mean, because they had the show-closing angle, and they only still they still had five matches, and two of them were very short with Bray and Knight and Bianca and Bliss. Um, I think that they could have an, uh, a, a, you know, a pretty standard three-hour show here if they keep it to that. The Rumbles will go a while. They probably will go over three hours with the video packages and all that other nonsense. Um, but we'll start from the bottom of the card here and work our way up. Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, United States Championship. Looks to be a pretty good match. They planted the seeds, uh, they planted the seeds initially for this a couple of months ago. It's the right match to do for the show. They've been doing a great job of hyping up the fact that Owens... Uh, wrist is broken, and he's at a disadvantage as far as that goes. That will be what cost him the match, if not the classic brass knuckle spot from Logan Paul that he's won a few of his matches with in the past in WWE. This will be no different. What Owens does at Mania, I don't know, but to me, I've said this for months, even with LA Knight getting a title shot on the show, I'll talk about him in a second. I feel like the clear path has been and always will be Logan Paul and LA Knight 
for the United States Championship at WrestleMania with LA Knight winning. That just, to me, has to happen. If LA Knight's not winning the world title twice, they, they better have a pretty good backup plan considering how over the guy is. That can't just go to waste. So I think Logan Paul retains here what you do with Owens from there, whether you turn him heel. I don't really know, but I guess we'll find out in due time. Uh, Roman, Randy, a- Armin, well, yeah, we'll talk about that match first. Roman, Randy, AJ Styles, LA Knight, fatal four-way match for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Uh, looking forward to the match. I think it'll be a great match. I think it would be dumb, as I've said to RJ before here on the show. And it won't go in great, it won't go into great depth about it just because I've already spoken about it at length previously here on the show and elsewhere. It would be pretty dumb for Roman to have this grand fatal four-way match only to lose and uh, lose his championship after almost four years in a four-way, whether he's pinned or not. That would be pretty fucking stupid. I don't care if Orton's nearing 15, 16, 30 world titles. I don't give a shit. That would be dumb. Orton would be the guy to win. It would not be AJ. It would not definitely not be Knight. Knight's only in there to take the pin. If they were going to put the belt on Knight, he would have beaten Roman at Crown Jewel. He's not winning this match. AJ's not winning this match either. Maybe he takes the pinfall. I don't know. Um, I don't know what you do with Orton definitively at WrestleMania. At one point, I thought maybe Solo Sokoa, but then he beat him in fucking five minutes on SmackDown a week or two ago, which was pretty dumb, and he beat him by pinfall too, which was stupid. Even worse. Uh, maybe he faces Nick Aldis. That's the match that I would want to see. I don't know if they do it at this point, but that's just an option. Um, either way, he should not win here. Roman has to retain. If this closes the show, then The Rock might show up. I still say they do the match at Elimination Chamber. I don't think that's going to happen. I think to, ha- to not have Roman on- to not have Roman on that show, and just the you know the sheer fact that he's not currently advertised, doesn't mean he definitely won't be on. He could always be added and advertised after the Royal Rumble. But I do I still do think it would not be a bad idea to do Rock and Roman at Chamber. But it sounds like it's either happening at Mania this year or next year. So take that for what it's worth. A couple years too late. But it sounds like it will be happening at some point. Uh, so I don't think it's happening in Elimination Chamber. But either way, I do think Roman Reigns retains here as he should. I want the reign to be over, but it should not end here to any of these guys. As far as the Women's Royal Rumble match is concerned, uh, 30-man Women's Royal Rumble matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think they can have a lot of great women in there having some strong showings. They don't have a lot of women declared. Uh, we have you know Charlotte Flair injured right now, and they're not doing any of the women's titles matches on the show, interestingly. I think it's got to be Bailey. I know Becky's a pretty strong second choice. We're probably getting Becky and Rhea at WrestleMania, as we should. That would make sense. Um, I think it's got to be Becky and Rhea, but Becky doesn't have to win the Rumble to set up that match. I think Bailey winning creates more intrigue as far as who she chooses. If Becky wins, we know she's fighting Rhea Ripley. And predictability isn't always a bad thing. But with Bailey, the whole point of the, the, the whole damage control tension storyline right now is that they want all the gold. Kabuki Warriors, they may have won the tag team titles last night on SmackDown. <clears throat> I don't know. I haven't. That hasn't happened yet as of this recording, so I'm not sure. But if they do, then Bailey wants all the titles. So it just makes sense for her to, um, uh, for Bailey to win the Royal Rumble, go on to WrestleMania, and challenge EO Sky for the WWE Women's Championship. That's the match to do. That's the match they go with. That's the storyline that will create the most interest over that championship. <clears throat> excuse me, heading into WrestleMania in a couple of months. So to me, Bailey, she's never really had that one big, big win. She's had a lot of title wins, a lot of title reigns, won the Money in the Bank women's ladder match a couple years ago. She's got to win the women's Rumble here and set up that big match for Mania. She can tease facing Rhea Ripley. I've seen their social media interactions, and it's great. She's got to go after EO. No triple threat with Dakota. Dakota can be the new mouthpiece for damage control. They want to go that route. 
but she should not be in the match. Even if she's in this match, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think it would be wise to have her eliminate Bailey unless, I don't know. I mean, the only other realistic choice is Becky Lynch, but I don't really want Becky winning. I just don't think that makes sense. So not that it doesn't make sense, but I just think it would make more, it would be a more interesting outcome for Bailey to win that Rumble and then to go on to WrestleMania to face the Sky for the championship as opposed to her losing and then setting up that match another way, which would be fine, but to me, that's the way to go. The men's Royal Rumble matchup <clears throat> also just comes down to two people. I'm losing my voice. We'll wrap up in a moment. Cody Rhodes and CM Punk. To me, it's got to be CM Punk. Cody Rhodes winning would not be a bad thing. I want Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I don't think The Rock should be involved. I think that'd be dumb. You can save that for next year. A triple threat would be worse. That would be very stupid. To me, it's got to be one or the other. If they're going to do Rock and Roman, then do it at Mania. Then don't insert Cody. That would be pretty stupid. I know, again, I saw the Sports Illustrated or whatever the report was from SI earlier in the day on Monday. Oh, Cody won't get his Mania moment this year. They'll, they won't have him finish the story at Mania, blah, blah, blah. I mean, whatever. I mean, we, we'll, we'll wait and see what they have in store. There is a chance they don't do the match at Mania, but I don't think you plant the seed for it on that first SmackDown, that season premiere of SmackDown back in October, and then not book it for Mania at 40. I just think that's so stupid. I know they planted matches. They planted seeds for matches before, that didn't come to fruition until much later on. I get it. But I think with that specifically, that to me felt like a mania match to do after Roman already beat Cody. Um, and I don't think Cody can finish this story without beating or facing anyone else at WrestleMania but Roman Reigns. So I think with Punk, and you can set up the Cody and Roman match another way. Cody winning, becoming the first back-to-back -back winner in 25, 26 years or whatever it's been since Stone Cold did it. Would be an amazing feat because no one has done it since then. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. At the same time, Punk's never won a Rumble before. Cody has. People want Punk back. They've been looking forward to him being back. This will be his first match back. You don't want him to disappoint. And I think Punk and Rollins, I guess you can also set that up without the Rumble, I suppose. Same thing with Cody and Roman, I guess. Um, I just think it'd be cooler for Punk to have his first big one back being in the Rumble. And unlike Batista 10 years ago, people won't boo it because I think people will... Be happy with that outcome, whether Punk turns heel or not. We'll see. Um, that'd be a pretty great way to close that match and set up a big match for Mania between Rollins and Punk if they do indeed go in that direction. As far as surprise entrance and stuff like that, I, I can't even really venture a guess. I did do the article for Bleacher Report a couple of weeks ago talking about, oh, potential surprise entrance. AJ Lee would be awesome for the women. Jade Cargill, to me, feels like a lock in the women's as well. Um... You know, those would be the obvious ones. I don't see Camille being in there. I don't I, I don't know. I think if they have Jade in there, I feel like Camille might be, you know, it's the same type of debuting superstar. They could have NXT women in there for sure. They did last, they had a handful of them. Uh, Cora Jade, I would say, but she got hurt, so that sucks. But Lyra Valkyria, she's the current NXT Women's Champion. We had Roxanne in there last year as the NXT Women's Champion, so very possible. It could be someone like her, Blair Davenport or whatever. I feel like that's, you know, pretty pretty likely, actually. For the men, uh, I feel like there's a lot more options. I've always said Ken Kennedy would be sick. I don't expect it, but that'd be awesome. Chris Masters would be cool. Um, hmm. There's a whole bunch. I mean, Ken Shamrock, I've said, is a pretty possible choice considering he just signed a, some sort of a Legends deal that allows them to sell his merch. There could be more to that. It could be a Hall of Fame induction, you know, starting with an appearance in the Royal Rumble. I would not be opposed to that at all, that we haven't seen him in WWE in so long. Um, that'd be a pretty cool cameo. You have that sort of stuff. I don't think Sasha Banks is in the Rumble. I don't think Okada is in the Rumble. No, I don't think MGF is in the Rumble. I mean, let's be serious. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. I wrote that whole list of surprise entrants. I don't think Big E's in the Rumble as well. That would be the amazing big surprise this year. Um, if he were to come back in his native Tampa, coming back from the neck injury and whatever. I just, I realistically do not think he's cleared, but that would be an amazing best well-kept secret. Uh, best kept secret ever, aside from the punk stuff from a few months ago, that he was indeed cleared and was able to appear on the pay-per-view. Um, I don't think that's happening, though. So, those individuals, X-Pac would be cool. There's a whole bunch of people that could possibly show up. Chris Masters, I mentioned, I don't think he shows up, but it's possible. I would have said Brock. I did say Brock previously. Um, not anymore. I think Sheamus could come back. I think we could very well see him back on Saturday, among other people. I feel like there's a whole bunch of people out injured right now that we could see pop up on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, so that is the abbreviated edition of WrestleRant Radio for this week for Saturday, December, December, January 27th. 2024 on Royal Rumble Saturday. I am recording this on Friday. My voice has been shot for days. Um, I'm exhausted. I am uh, just busy beyond belief, but we're putting out a show with all the news dropping this week, and uh, I'm glad I could record this before the Rumble on Saturday for you guys to check out before the pay-per-view tonight. I will be busy the rest of uh, the weekend going forward before I head back home on Sunday, but we will catch up with Mr. Marceau here on the show next Thursday and all these various topics updates on various topics, and of course, a review of the Royal Rumble itself. New episodes of the show available every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or iTunes, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, Podcast, uh, Amazon, Google Podcast, Pandora, Podbean, all that stuff. Be sure to check it out, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, never miss a new episode every single, usually Thursday, in this case Saturday, just every single week, so never miss a new episode. Have an awesome one, guys. Enjoy the Royal Rumble this weekend, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Join Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau every Thursday as they run down their weekly wrestling rants, offer expert analysis, host exclusive interviews, and more. Subscribe today on all your favorite podcast platforms and never miss an episode of Wrestle Rant Radio.